And so I had to work a lot on my money perspective and my money issues and my money relationship. And what happened was I realized that I was doing the same thing in my business. You know, a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about money, especially women. And I work with empowering them to talk about money. I make them talk about it. We get really comfortable. And just letting them know they are worthy of it. They deserve it just like anybody else. So I help them come up with money routines. I basically help them create that money Monday that I do for myself because that's what helped me show up to my relationship. Just like any other relationship, you're going to make time for it. You're going to put energy and effort when you're dating somebody, right? And having that mindset that, you know what, I have to have a relationship with my money so that I can show up. I can manage it properly. I'm going to live in more of an abundant mindset. I'm going to attract bigger accounts. I'm going to not have fear moving into investments and those different types of things. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cardavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. We're back here for episode 111 with a guest, Cassidy Arbelli, coming to us from Las Vegas. And listen to this title, Unburden Your Business, Tools and Strategies to Grow Your Business Without Losing Yourself. Cassidy, at a very young age, has already achieved what many would call the holy grail. She's not only a business owner, but a serial entrepreneur, having already launched and running multiple businesses today. He's maintaining a fabulous marriage and relationship, having kids, raising young kids, doing it so-called all while having not balance, but what she calls integration in her life. She sees that so many business owners, especially women, are handcuffed to their business. And today's episode is to give you the tools, mindsets, and strategies to not only get unhandcuffed, but to live that integrated life and to grow and scale your business at the same time. She's going to talk about, I love this, the heck yes or the heck no. She's going to give us dozens of ideas on specific ways to set up your business and the structure of your business and even your daily schedule that allows you to grow your business in a prioritized, vision-driven way. This is something I love. We're going to spend a good bit of time talking about how vital it is to understand and often shift our relationship with money. It is going to be a fascinating conversation. It will help you not only grow your business, but grow your life. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are back. And today, my word is stoked. I am stoked for this conversation <laughs> with Cassidy Arbelli. Cassie is coming to us from... Yes, Las Vegas, Nevada. She shared offline that Las Vegas still exists. I had no doubt that Las Vegas was resilient, but I thought, wow, there had to be an impact over the last uh, 14 months in Las Vegas. But Cassie is here not to talk about Las Vegas. She is here to talk about entrepreneurship and business, especially for women. Cassidy describes herself as a serial entrepreneur, still owns several businesses. 
She now works with businesses, especially female entrepreneurs, to help them grow their businesses, scale their businesses, get the life they want out of their businesses, including multiple streams of income. Her, her foundation is called Unburden Your Business. I know we're going to hear more about that. She's also a podcaster. I'm just so looking forward to all the bits of wisdom we're going to, wisdom we're going to get from Cassidy today. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and oh, cool. really, really love all your episodes. So I'm excited to be here myself. Awesome. Glad to have you. So Cassidy, tell us a little, tell our listeners a little bit about your story that brings us here today. Absolutely. So I originally grew up in a household with entrepreneurial parents. So I got to see what it was like to be an entrepreneur, uh, success and failure, both in a lot of different ways. And I always knew that I was going to be working for myself one day. I ended up going into college and decided that I was going to get my degrees in industrial and organizational psychology. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's really like business psychology. It's a little bit different than getting your MBA and things like that. It's really about the psychology of people, what they do, why they do it, marketing, different things like that. If you've ever seen the movie Office Space with- Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you ask the younger generation, they have no idea what I'm talking about. But have you seen Office Space, you know, the movie Jennifer Aniston? Forget the name of the other actor. But anyway, when they come in and they have meetings in the conference room with what everyone's doing and people are shaking in their boots like, oh, you know, am I going to get fired? What's going on? Um, a lot of industrial and organizational psychologists come in and restructure Fortune 500 companies and figure out what's the best way to get the right people in the right seats to get the job done. So once I did that, my goal was to open a sort of consultancy that had anything a business owner, small business owners in particular, would need, whether that's a CPA, a business attorney, um, someone who does PR, just basically anything you can think of that has to do with business strategy, planning, execution, and all of that. Somehow or other, I actually, in the middle of me starting that whole dream, I got recruited to be an insurance agent. Oh. I did not grow up thinking I was going to, you know, become an insurance agent. It was just the furthest thing from my mind. However, I had an opportunity to quickly become an entrepreneur through a franchise system that was a very low investment. And I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose and so much to gain. Let's just try this out. I had just had my first child who was 12 months old. Um, and I found out I was pregnant with my second. Mm. So I jumped into building a business while I was growing a, a second child in uh, my body and trying to figure out how to deal with a toddler for the first time. Mm. And my son was born three weeks before we opened our doors. So I was definitely the woman who had the baby carrier on trying to figure out how to put people on hold our first day in business and really just went through some of the hardest times of my life, trying to figure out how to be a mom to multiple children being a great wife, showing up for my relationship, showing up for my business and doing all those things. Fast forward and making this kind of long story short, once I was able to figure out how to become a better leader, how to really empower my team to help me with my business and in return, get a better life for themselves while working for our company and empowering them to do so, I was able to slowly, slowly remove myself from my business and let them take over 
and hold the standard of what I wanted for my company. That's and the dream as of I a did lot that, of our, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. So as I did that every year since, which was about five years ago, I have opened another business and was mm -hmm. able each year to focus on doing the same exact thing again, getting my team ready to take over and let me step away. So now it's a total of six. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I do now, most of my time is really just maintaining the dashboard information of each of those businesses. And of course, there's occasional fires to put out, but really just having that systemized formula that I used for each one to be able to build those different streams of income and then be able to step away to continue growing, you know, quote unquote, empire, wealth, whatever you want to look at it or however you want to call it. And even more importantly, I feel that I have a calling and I know that sounds very, you know, woo woo or whatever you want to call it. To step up and yeah, step up and help other women do the same because for so many years, I, you know, I've had women come up to me and say, how do you do it? You have three kids now um, and you're still growing these businesses and you still seem to be really happy. You seem to have a good head on your shoulders. You don't seem to be living in the burnout. Like a lot of women feel like they have to, like, what's the secret? And so um, I really enjoy showing up and pulling other women up with me because it can be lonely. I went through a lot of lonely times, didn't have a lot of friends, just kind of put my head down and worked. And I don't think that it needs to be that way anymore. Hmm. The other thing is, is that many of the businesses that I'm in are very male dominated. No offense to males, love you very much, but it can deter a lot of women or it can feel very lonely and it can be kind of catered to more of that male persona where we're females and it's it's different there's other things we have on our plates there's other sure. ways that we can conduct business and i think having that community for us has been game changing life changing for many of us and i just feel privileged to be able to um be a part of such a community so Great. that's pretty much the long story as short as i could make it <laughs> <laughs> well cassidy you, you've already created a lot and one of the questions i love to watch or ask serial entrepreneurs who are essentially running multiple businesses is what are some of the secrets to that because a lot of people including me sometimes say man i got so much going on and i got this business and a business with craig and a podcast it's a challenge to do multiple things what are some of the keys you've found so I will give you like three, because there's definitely many things that you can do. And not all of these are going to work for everybody, but they're kind of a bird's eye view. I, my schedule is obviously super important. My, my precious, whatever you want to call it. And I use Google <laughs> calendar and I have several calendar categories and really just being really organized with my time and making sure that I'm checking what's coming up, what's going on constantly and staying organized with my time. My time is really precious. There are things that it's like, if it's not a heck yes, it's a heck no kind of thing. And when you are really aligned with your goals and your vision and what you want to do, it makes it very easy to filter through things on what goes on the calendar and what doesn't. So that's love, one thing. I loved what you said about if it's not a heck yes, it's a heck no. In other words, yeah. if you're not really excited about it, you don't put it on your calendar. Absolutely. And if Love it's not that. aligned and going to get you closer to what you're trying to do, then don't spend your time, like just don't waste your time. In it. There yeah. is also times where I schedule out time to spend with my family and that's mm -hmm. quality time where everything else gets shut down and really focusing on kind of more of a life 
a work-life integration lifestyle as opposed to the balance. Yeah. It never really is fully balanced, right? Sometimes <laughs> sure. you're always, you know, you're going to be on this side more a lot than this side right. more a lot, things like that. Um, so that's one. Being able to be organized and really focused on keeping your schedule is one huge thing, right? And um, the other one I would say is I also theme my days. So every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, I have particular things that I do and that I check on and that I work through. And it just helps me know like money is money Mondays. Okay. So everyone who knows me knows money is my money. Monday is my money day. And that's when I go in and check financials. I do all the financial work in all the different businesses. And then I'm just in the zone on one thing, batching that work that I do as the CEO of the different companies. And then I'm out. And the next day, it's something different. And it just really just helped my brain categorize and be prepared for whatever I needed to do that day. Now I don't have to think about it. I have a routine for how I check money, how I manage it. I go in every Monday, I follow that system and that routine, and then I'm out and I'm done for the day. So that way I know that these reoccurring important things happen and they, they get done. And I'm just prepared and ready for it. So batching my days in my calendar also makes a huge difference. And these are kind of productivity hacks, but it just helps my brain not have to think too much before I go into what I'm doing. And it's really about that strategic planning so that when I come in to execute, it's a no-brainer. It's super easy to just show up and get those things done. So those are kind of like my couple things that I think really help me stay really organized. And then of course, if you don't have the right team, you're not going to be able to get any of this done. Yeah. So what I focus on, I read the book, you know, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, if you've heard of it or anything like that. Yeah. And oh. I've read it several times. But in the book, there's a part where he asks the question of if you only had two hours a week to work on your business, what would you do? And I've always answered, I would spend every minute of those two hours sitting with my team and working on their development. Hmm. So working on them getting better, working on their progress, working on them being able to push a little bit harder to reach that goal or do something good for themselves in their own lives. So what I mean by that is, as soon as I shifted my leadership from being all about me and all about my business, and all about my goals, and really putting my team first, because it's about them and not about me anymore. Suddenly, I was like, you know what? You want to buy your first house? Let's figure out a way to do that. This is a dream of yours. This is important to you. I want to help you create that dream. Awesome. And then what I do is I'm like, okay, you want to create that dream? Well, you need money. <laughs> so the way you make money is by completing these tasks in our business that are going to be income producing activities, you know, key performance indicators, whatever you want to call those. And all of a sudden, if they have to pick up a phone and make a sales call, they're much more motivated and yeah. willing to do so because they're looking at how that's going to help them buy their first house, which is a dream that they have. Again, kind of pushing it back on, it's about you, not me. Let's get your goals to become a reality. And then now you're working for my business a little bit harder. Gotcha. So as you went from the first business into multiple other businesses, the first one you started, you said it was a... Um, a franchise. And so mm -hmm. did taking the franchise mentality of everything has a system and a process and everything has its place, is that same mentality what you brought into the other businesses or did you start adapting to something else? Yes. Yeah, so what I learned was 
honestly, it's a little bit part of the franchise system, I would definitely say, where you're having kind of the prototype for the business, being mm -hmm. able to understand that there's certain processes and certain things that need to get done and that those need to continue happening regularly. So you build that momentum and you can scale. But I think at the end of the day, it's not necessarily a particular style of franchise or anything like that. It's, it's mainly going to be the basic business foundations that I think we don't really get taught in business school um, as entrepreneurs just starting out. They're so simple and we tend to overcomplicate a lot of things. But for the most part, for me, it's four things that I think are just super important. And if you can figure out what that looks like for your business and what that looks like for your life and how you want it done, then you just can keep pumping more energy and effort into that. So the first one's going to be having that clear vision. And when I mean vision, I don't mean like, you know, all the different types of vision things that you might hear in books and stuff like that. I mean, like, what is the purpose of your business and what is it meant to do for you? Because a lot of us don't open a business thinking, okay, how do I want my life to look like? And how do I want that business to work for me? we open a business and we immediately start working for the business. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> right? All of a sudden the business takes over our lives as opposed for it to provide the life that you want and that right. you should have started the business for. So figuring out like in 10 years, this is where I want to be. And once you know where it is that this business is supposed to help you get to, the next piece is to create that strategic plan. So that strategic plan is going to include all the jobs, all the tasks, all the processes that need to happen in your business. We got to a point where as simple as this might sound is I went to my team and I said, hey, I want you for the next week to write down everything that you do every day. I know this sounds silly and ridiculous. And they're like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I just want you to write down what you do. I don't need like any extravagant information. Just write down, what did you do today for five days? And what happened was, is we were able to go back a week later and say, okay, this is what we do in our business. These are the operations we do every single day. So how do we break those down into certain categories and create the processes we need to teach new team members, to create the standard of what we all need to be doing consistently and recurringly so that we can continue to build that momentum. And when you do that, you create those processes. Now your team knows exactly what's expected of them. They know by what standard you want them to conduct that business. Hmm. All your clients or whoever it is that you're working with, whether it's product-based, service-based business, are getting a consistent experience. Your clients know what to expect when they engage with you and they interact with you. And everything just starts to multiply, which in the end is going to create more revenue, which in the end is going to create more profit for you. The third piece is once you've got this plan to get you to where you want to go, you've got to execute. And I think execution is one of the hardest parts of business. Um, some people might disagree with me and that's totally fine. But for me, at least I've noticed whether it's me, different businesses, my team, or the clients that I work with now on business consulting is we can sit and strategize and plan all day long. We could talk about our dreams. We could close our eyes and imagine all the grand things. But when it comes to like, oh, now I got to do something about it. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly that becomes difficult, right? But when you have that strategy, it, like I said, when it came to the calendar, if I have a routine and I just need to show up on this day, knowing that this is my topic and I just go through this checklist of what I got to get done, it makes it really easy for me to get that done. I don't have to think about it too much. I just got to show up and do. And when you know that this process is going to equal the results that you want, 
it just gives you all that motivation. It just makes it super easy. So for me, with my clients and just in business in general, and for my team, I try to make execution um, the smallest amount of resistance that needs to happen for all of that to get accomplished. So if, for example, I don't know, they need to take out the trash. Let's just make it super simple, right? I always make sure that the process includes having an extra bag on the bottom and having the dumpster closer or something like that, right? I know it's kind of a silly example, but like making it where it's a super easy process that you don't have to think about and it's the least amount of resistance possible for having that get completed. So execution is the next piece. And the last piece is all about money. I think that many businesses that I've seen know how to make money. They know how to generate revenue. They're good at sales. Um, They're good at hiring people that can make sales. But once they start making money, they don't know how to manage it. They don't know what to do with it. They don't understand the different dynamics of having money. And I've met so many business owners that have millions of dollars in revenue every year and are still about to go bankrupt, right? We've heard about that many times with different companies and industries in general through the news or whatnot. And you're like, how, how many times have you just looked at somebody who's had to go bankrupt or shut their doors? And you're like, I know they make a lot of money, right? I've spent a lot of money with this business or this, this company before. And you're just scratching your head thinking, how are they broke? How are they not making all this money? So those are the four components, really having that vision, understanding what you want the business to do for your life, creating that strategic plan to be able to execute on it. And then once you start making money, what do you do with your money? And those four things are the biggest things I find. If you can fix in a business or you can get going in a business properly, then everything else just falls into place. And that's really when you can remove yourself from having to be another employee, right? Or someone who's doing all day long in your business. You can become the person that gets to design your business, design your life. Cassidy, uh, those are so many great things. And I think you're right. They get overcomplicated. And like one in particular I really liked is for execution. Everybody knows they have to execute, but you're focused on minimizing the resistance. I'm a big fan of minimizing or eliminating resistance to things as opposed to figuring out better ways to do them. One thing I want to circle back on, you talked about some of your industries tend to be male dominated. And I'd love to hear as you work with female entrepreneurs, like what's the guidance you're offering them, especially if they're going into what you're calling these male dominated business arenas? Yeah, absolutely. So to be as clear as possible and make it just easy to kind of comprehend and understand there's a different energy and also different expectations. Women conduct business differently. We're much more um, feminine in our energy and the way we show up, even though I can tend to be masculine. But the masculine energy is going to be talking constantly about hardcore sales and being like a hardcore closer and like use, doing a lot of decisions based off your ego, mm-hmm. where women are going to be more about their intuition and their feelings, their emotions. Um, They're going to be caretakers. They're going to want to build relationships. So it's just very different. So for example, let's just talk about insurance. So in the insurance industry, there's definitely more males and the females are starting to kind of come up. Definitely. I would say it's changed a lot in the last 10, 20 years. But for example, talking about 
any kind of trainings that you might want to find to help you advance in your insurance business, it's all males. And they're always talking about marketing and sales. There's no other component to your business you need besides marketing and sales, it seems like, (laughs) because that's a very masculine type of portion when it comes to your business that tends to work well with more male-dominated clients. So for females in my community, I have a Facebook group that has uh, female insurance agency owners in it. And we talk about all kinds of things that you wouldn't find in other trainings or other groups. Like we'll talk about um, harnessing your energy and energy hacking. We'll talk about how to get into your cycle. So this might be a little bit awkward for you, but really about cycle syncing. There is this whole entire Mm -hmm. thing about syncing with your cycle and how to maximize the different hormones you have in your body. For example, the week that you're ovulating, you're going to have a lot of energy, which is when I try to Mm -hmm. schedule as much of my uh, meetings, as much as of my outgoing type of um, activity that I have, maybe it's trips, things like that, because I'm just full of energy and I know I'm going to execute better. Again, reducing that resistance, right? So Hmm. things like that, where I really help them hone in on that. The other piece is, unfortunately, there's still a lot of times where we get treated different, whether it's by clients, um, whether it's by employees, because we're women and we have certain powers of positions of power. So just different conversations that we're having that we tend to have issues with where some of our male counterparts don't. Hmm. And just being able to show up and have those conversations comfortably and have other people who understand you just makes a big difference. Yeah, so, you know, interesting thing about that, Cassie, I was talking to one of our podcast guests yesterday. Uh, she was on last week and we just had a call yesterday <clears throat> and she was talking about women in leadership. And an observation she had, she was recently on a panel, like a Zoom panel, with several women, and a lot of women in the audience were asking questions about how do they navigate the challenges of the business world. And I think the word she used with me was, she said, I was appalled. I think that was the word, or that's how I heard it. Because most of the women on the panel, their answer was saying to the whole audience, you got to act like men. Oh. No, that's what you got to do. And so the key, they're basically saying the key to success is to show up like men. So I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? And also, what do you see as the impact when that happens? So I understand why that was the answer, Um, because I believe that it seems to work when we do act like men, right? We get respected more. We get, you know, kind of hooked into the the bro group or the bro culture at that point um you know you'll have like 10 men going golfing and suddenly there's a woman there and you're like oh well she must be you know acting like a man to be able to get in the room and it's funny because not just that we've talked before about like masterminds and things and another woman in my group said well there's been masterminds for men for years it's called smoking cigars and drinking whiskey you know <laughs> so what does that look like for the female or women or whatever you want to call it side of business? And I understand why that may have been the answer because it seems like it's the only way. And we just want to get our foot in the door and be respected and taken mm-hmm. seriously so that we can have those opportunities. On the flip side, that's not going to fix the problem. 
right? We have to be able to feel comfortable enough to show up as ourselves. And every single person who does business is an individual. They shouldn't act like anybody yes. else but themselves. Right. And, and the thing that is important about that too that I've learned is when you understand the client that you're trying to attract, you no longer have to pretend to be anything but yourself. And all you're doing is working to attract that ideal client. You don't need to be somebody else to try to get every fish in the sea. You are working more strategically on finding those particular clients you want to work with and niching down. This is stuff I talk about constantly because I've learned this through the years. The more I niche down, the more money I made. It makes, it almost seems counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. But it's I true. I, I talk again. about it. Yeah. I talk about it more like, look, do you want to go and try to fish you know, in a big ocean with a bunch of little fish, or do you want to go fish in a small pond with big fish where you're going to be able to catch bigger fish more often? It's that kind of idea. But I understand why that, you know, question was answered that way. And I absolutely disagree because if we don't start taking a stand to be able to be comfortable enough to show up as ourselves, then society, other men, the world, our clients are not going to respect us in any of your view. So and they lose out. Um, Absolutely. You're unhappy. You're showing up as a lie. Like other people are thinking they know who you are and they don't. And that's, that's really lonely. That's not a happy place to be. But I think we're also missing out on the contribution that, that women can have in that space as well, because there's, there's a difference of opinion, a different perspective. And Jeff and I are big on diversity in all sorts and, and being able to bring together people that have different viewpoints so that you can look at a, an issue and, and solve it in a maybe a more unique way. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really funny is that I actually now, after 10 years in the insurance industry, we are about 99% commercial insurance based when it comes to our production, what we sell, what we work with. And when it comes to business, there's more men in business than there is women today. So a lot of our clients are males and we did find in the beginning a little bit more difficulty, you know, closing bigger deals when it came to acquiring a business that maybe had a CEO that was a male and, um, you know, making sure we were acquiring that business. And now we are one of the top producers in our state. We constantly have people calling us, asking us what we're doing. And we've overcome that, I believe. And it really was just by not giving up, showing up as ourselves, figuring out who our ideal client was. And those ideal clients loved who we were and what we were for. And, you know, you just got to keep going no matter what. And eventually, even though now most of my clients are males, just by default, being a woman is no longer an issue. Now people are calling us asking for our help for insurance, which is amazing, nice. right? So. Um, and I just use that industry as, you know, an example, but there's other things we do commercial real estate again, lots of males, um, you know, just different things like that. I'm in manufacturing and e-commerce, which has gotten really huge, especially the last few years. And especially with COVID everyone's ordering online now. So that's been interesting. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things. So I, I, I'm here to really empower women to just show up as they are and know there are other women just like you who might feel a little bit alone, but there's definitely communities that you can tap into where you don't have to feel like that anymore. And there's a lot of men that um, 
you know, are there to also be a part of this community. And they're all, they're here rooting us on and they're here cheering us up. And, you know, I think sometimes as we've learned in 2022 and, and moving into 2021, there's a lot of awareness that needs to happen. There's a lot of things that people thought were no longer an issue that are still an issue Hmm. and being, you know, becoming more aware of some of the things that are happening is going to help make a shift and make a difference. And I think that also includes not necessarily, yes, there's still inequalities when it comes to women, but mostly just being aware that we still struggle with a lot of things that men thought were over. They don't, (laughs) they don't see it. And it's not to their fault as much as like you, if you're not aware, you can't help make a difference. You can't make that change. Even my husband, you know, there's a lot of times where I feel like I have to speak up for myself more than maybe a man would. And he's like, why do you do that? Nobody looks at you unequal. And I'm like, babe, you may not see this, but it happens. (laughs) I deal with it regularly. Right. So even for him, he's like, I don't know why you still feel like this. I don't see it. You know? And he's learned through through time that, okay, maybe there are still some some things as you have shown me, but definitely blind yeah. spots. I mean, there's yeah. so much that Jeff and I learned about in the last year, you know, whether it was race, whether it was uh, gender differentiation and just the, the perspectives that we have as white men and how that shows up in our assumptions of how the world works. It's yeah. not, not that way for everybody. And it's very uncomfortable. There are different things that I've had to work on too. And the fact that you are open and care and want to try to get better is what matters. And, you know, I think that as women is the more we can be a little bit vocal, the more we can stand up for ourselves, the more we can show up comfortable in who we are as individuals, the more things will get better. Well, I'd like to dive a little deeper into something you talked about, Cassidy, because I certainly have heard this over many years. And in terms of the activities, especially around client relationships, client acquisition, networking, business development, there are some fundamental challenges that women have that most men don't. And there are some differences. So let me give you a couple examples and then give your feedback on very specific ideas. So you mentioned the cigars and cocktails. That's an interesting one because I love cigars. And I've also found that a lot of men don't like cigars. There's a lot of men who won't do that at the, you know, at the same time. You talk about golf. A lot of women have said, well, I have to learn how to play golf. And I'll say, well, actually, you just need to find some activities where you're going to have a lot of time with people. That's why golf yeah. works. A lot of people that play golf don't actually love golf, but it's the time together. So how do you create that? Well, and I'll, other- I'll say there, there's another piece in there. It's how you play the game is also what people are looking at as to whether you want to do business together as well. Well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> no, I, no, I mean, I mean, if, if you're, like if, you're cons- yeah. if you're considerate of other people, if you're, you know, if, yeah. you, if you're a jerk the whole time, you know, constantly beating yourself up for making a bad shot. That's yeah. not the kind of person I want to work with as much. Right. Well, that's one of the reasons they use it. That's, yeah. that's probably not a different impact for men and women. Right. I want to get to the, the challenges women face. And the other one is that I've heard, I've been educated over the last 10 years, you know, women often are making different decisions. And unfortunately, I get it of, you know, some hesitancy about being out and how they're treated by men at at events, um, being, you know, in situations that they might not feel safe. So there are some, there are some different perspectives. And I hear you saying, be your authentic self. But what are some of those examples 
that you're offering women of how they can create these opportunities by being themselves, but maybe not that way. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just give you one example of things that have changed from when I started until how we are now. We used to get dressed up in professional attire every day, kind of in that financial industry and feeling like no one's going to take us seriously unless we wear, you know, a suit or, you know, maybe we're talking about dress code, right? Just as an example. And today I tell my team, look, I don't care what you wear. You can wear slippers, pajamas, like whatever, right? As long as you you are happy in your position. My client, our clients are happy and you're producing what you need to produce for the business to thrive and be profitable. So today they show up, whether they got makeup on or not, their hair done's not, I honestly don't care. And what's crazy is that our clients don't care either when we thought they did, right? Or things like that. So just being able to empower my team to be who they are and if you've got tattoos, you got piercings, I mean, whatever, you want to dye your hair a funky color, it doesn't matter. I, and, and that's something that I had to also come to grips with as we've shifted in the industry that people, most of our ideal clients are people who want to build relationships. Our ideal clients are people who want to have someone understand what they do and who they are and cater to them because of that. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic, but if you don't want to go to networking events because you don't feel comfortable, then don't go. If you want to go to a networking event and wear high heels and a skirt and you know what, that you are comfortable and you're okay with that and you do great business that way, I'm all for it too, as long as you're being safe. I'm not going to tell you who to be if, that, if that's um, kind of answering your question in that sense. But yes, of course, I mean, just in my, Facebook community group the other day, a woman was like frustrated and posted about how, oh, I'm so sick of this. A man just said he wants me to do his insurance because he loved how sexy I looked in this picture online. Oh, or no. something. And it's like, yes, we still get that. Absolutely. Yeah. Or there's times where men don't think we're capable because we're women. It happens. But at the same time, just like I kind of brought up that idea of like, oh, well, men only drink cigars and whiskey. All of those type of things, they're all stigmas that we get, right? Or that we hear of. And we've got to break through that and really get to know people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Because my biggest client, also, he's kind of like a man that just wears shorts and flip-flops, owns lots of multi-million dollar revenue generating businesses. And he loves the fact that, you know, we've got our kid in the backseat and we're coming to get signatures and we just need to pick up a check or what, whatever the case is. He's like, that's so cool. Let me say hi to your kid. And you <laughs> can, and that's kind of circling back to the whole idea of creating the vision of your business and what you want it to look like. You can create a business that's making you a lot of money and still show up in your pajamas. If that's what you want, <laughs> yep. yeah, this it is can true. happen. You I can absolutely do it. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. 
When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. It's interesting you brought up the tattoos because I, I don't in any way want to suggest that men and women have the same experiences, but there's some overlap in that a guy I met here in Tampa, he's a, he's a corporate lawyer, intellectual property, patent lawyer, top of his game, makes a ton of money. And the reason I reached out to him is I didn't know him. I was looking up lawyers when I moved here. I looked at his website. It was a corporate law firm, small. And his, his bio picture was him in a black t-shirt and jeans. And both arms are fully sleeved up with tattoos. And I thought, this is the guy that I want to meet because I will tell you that is not the norm for men or women in law. I mean, that is not, the, but that's who he is. And it's just such a great reminder of being ourselves. It will work and it might feel scary because it does. It's okay to admit that it's scary. But the truth is when I am my most genuine self and the part of me that brings the best of me, yeah, I will attract the people who want to work with me. Totally agree. Totally agree. Isn't that was it so crazy that... It's crazy because we get so scared, especially in the beginning, to just be that person from day one. Yeah. And you realize that you work so hard to kind of create this persona of what you think <laughs> you need to be. And you right. work harder, not only to do that, but work harder to be profitable and successful in your business where you could have just been yourself this entire time and probably made more money along the way and been yeah. more, like had such a better experience. And what's even better is as a leader, I then empower by example and as a role model for my team members, which I call them team members, if you've noticed, I don't really call them employees, but um, I model for them to be happy on being who they are too. And it's been a huge difference. I've noticed that they're more willing to follow me as their leader or be a part of a movement that I might want to start because of the fact they know that if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it because I truly believe in it because I'm, it's truly part of who I am. Um, and, and I'm the kind of person too, that, you know, I have a very hard time muzzling anything I have to say or what I think probably women in general sometimes, but um, you know, that's something that could always be a benefit or a negative trait. Sometimes you kind of get your, I get my foot stuck in my mouth often. However, I've always just been, you can see on my face, you can feel my energy, you can, you'll hear the words coming out of my mouth if I'm not comfortable, if I'm not happy with something. And one of my team members have always said, you know, sometimes it can feel a little aggressive or just like, you know, it's just like, we know you're going to tell us what you think, but we always know where we stand with you. And we can respect that so much more than someone who's trying to be something they're not. And that was such a compliment to me. I took that and I was like, oh, like tears came to my eyes. I'm like, that's amazing. That's what I would want someone to say about me as opposed to, oh, you're so nice all the time. And you're, you know, you're so accommodating and you're so, because that's not usually what a leader is going to be. It's going to be harder for people to want to follow someone, you know, who doesn't seem like they're being their authentic self in that sense. So, yeah. so one thing that you, you said early on, Cassidy, I'd like to ask you about, and I don't hear it a lot. It's something I've said. He's talked about not pursuing balance, but pursuing integration. 
Yeah. And it sounds similar. I mean, I don't want to, my thoughts are my thoughts, but tell us more about what that means and what does it actually look like in action? Absolutely. So for me, it can be, I don't necessarily always think, like I was saying, like there was a time where I was trying to find that balance where I was only working a certain amount of hours a day. And the rest of the hours a day that I had was for my life, my personal life, my kids, my family, my relationships. And it just wasn't realistic, especially I think as an entrepreneur, there are things that happen that you can't always control and you get pulled away in both directions. You know, your kid's sick, you got to stay home, your, you know, business, one of your biggest clients is threatening to leave and you've got to go figure out how to fix that. Uh, One of your big employees had a family member that passed away and now they're not there for a week and you've got to figure out what to do. So there's always this tug and pull. And for me, it's more, okay, I committed to signing my son up for soccer and I know he has these practices. How can I maximize the time while he's practicing soccer and still be there for my kid and do something during that practice that helps my business, right? So that's what I mean by the integration. You're kind of always on when it comes to business and you're always on when it comes to being a parent, a wife, you know, a sister, um, or just a a woman in general who needs to do self-care and take care of herself and think about herself also. And you're always on. There's never an off button, usually. When I'm, I've also made time where I turn everything off and I spend one-on-one time with each of my children. Hmm. And that could be in the middle of the day. That could be on a weekend. That could be in the evening. That could be in the morning where we go get breakfast before school. And it's just me and them. So it's really about integrating certain times throughout the day where I have focus on one or the other, but figuring out what those pockets of time are. And putting that into my calendar, making them non-negotiables, making them where I can batch out some work or work on certain things. And also the mindset and understanding there's going to be times where I'm going to be pulled in each direction. And I have to be open to that and not always try to fight it, but lean into it, knowing that it's more of an integration than necessarily a balance. And I think that's what really helped me, you know. Yeah, I think um, Gary Keller's book, the one thing he talks about the myth of balance and how we have these, these different cycles that happen. And sometimes, you know, we're going to spend more time in our business. Sometimes we're going to spend more time at home and different things and realizing that those things are going to change over time. That there's not really, we're not going to be in a balanced state for more than a few seconds. But realizing that and understanding that you have rubber balls and you have crystal balls and the the ones that can shatter are our relationships and the ones that bounce you know interestingly enough is work yes and and, you know a lot of my clients too they usually come to me because they can't free themselves from their business they just feel handcuffed to their business and that's one of the biggest struggles they have and i always let them know listen we're going to have to take some time to pause and Mm -hmm. i call it the power of pause And I tell them a story about what happened when I took a pause from my business and what the results were. My business didn't fall. You know, it wasn't like (laughs) the Roman Empire falling. It wasn't, (laughs) nothing actually happened. Everything was okay. Maybe our production went down a little bit or maybe some things shifted, but really at the end of the day, nothing bad happened. And what happened was actually the contrary, where I had time to really reflect. I had time to go back and check what's going on with my business and get the data accurate and really figure out what's happening so that now when I come back from that pause, I can come back with so much energy, so much focus, 
and actually get three times the results that I would have not gotten beforehand. Mm. And the idea of that is just letting them know that if you don't break that cycle and do something about it, you're not going to be able to change. You're going to keep staying on this cycle of being handcuffed to your business and feeling like you have no other solutions. So um, I think that's definitely one of the biggest things that, you know, they think that the crystal is their business, but really their personal life is their, is the crystal. Right. So Yeah. yeah, I agree. So you mentioned the power of pause and your examples were about what I would call longer pauses, those reflective times. Can you also talk about, I'm a big fan of the pause. I, I, you call it the power of pause. I call it the leadership pause. Talk about the role of the pause like in the moment. Those things that happen every day where I believe the pause value is it, the difference between me reacting to the situation or just taking that moment that I can scan and make a different, a more intentional decision versus a reaction. So how has that shown up for you and how do you help women with that as well? Yeah, so I would say for me, I learned to pause a little late. <laughs> like I said, I, I usually kind of just blurt out my ideas and my thoughts and I've had to learn to just take a moment and sit and actually like, feel what it is that I'm feeling in that moment and be present in those feelings and maybe present in the frustration or uh, the struggle that I'm going through or how did I get to this point and, and spend the time learning the lesson. I think that's something that we don't do. Sometimes we, we bypass it so quick and we try to move on and then we don't learn the lesson and we continue making the same mistakes or we continue doing the same thing we're doing. And that's for me what the power of pause really means is go back and figure out how did I get here and how do I not do this again? But mostly when it comes to decision-making, the one thing that I teach the most is I go based off data. I think that it helps me as a woman not put the emotion into things um, because we tend to do that and not just make rational decisions. And I mean, men do it too, but you know, it just helps us go based off data. For me, numbers don't lie. They tell you the truth, even if you don't want to believe in it. So I teach how to track everything. So when something's happening and I need to pause, first thing I do is tell my team, bring me the reports, bring me the numbers, bring me the data. I want to sit and really reflect on what's going on and use factual information that we have to make decisions on what to do next. Because if you don't track the important metrics in your business, you're not really going to know what's going on and you're going to make decisions that probably are not going to be beneficial. So those are kind of my tips, I would say, when it comes to that pausing time, why it's important to me, and what do I try to do when I'm in there? Yeah. The other, the last question I had here, um, I know that there's something you've referenced, and I know from, from prior conversations that you focus on this idea of relationship to money. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about relationship to money and how it shows up in business and perhaps from your experience, how it might show up differently for women? Sure, absolutely. So I actually teach this in my program. I have a program for unburdening your business. And really what the idea is, you know, we we open this business, we think that everything's going to be rainbows and unicorns and sunshine and the money's just going to fall from the sky. 
And really, in the end of the day, all of a sudden, your business becomes a burden on your life. And so my goal is to help people unburden their business. And in the program, I do go into the mindset of money and how that plays a role once your business starts to generate revenue, not always knowing how to make the best decisions and not always knowing how to have a good relationship with your money. And this shows up in people's personal lives, obviously. And and when they take that relationship and the mindset they have with money into their business, because that's what they know. That's what they do. They just shift it back into their business. And that relationship talks about, you know, how did you come up with the views that you have about money? What is the perspective or what is the lens that you hold over your eyes when you're looking at money? How do you feel about it? What are your beliefs? What are your values? All of that. Because those things, are going to affect the way you attract money, the way you show up to manage your money, the way you make investments, the way you save money, the way you get into debt, the way you get your way out of debt, um, you know, just things like that. So we talk a lot about going back and thinking about in your childhood, what were some of those first memories you have? And usually most people will think of something right away. So for me, I think about times where I had to go to my dad and be like, hey, can I have 20 bucks to go to the movies with my friends or something? And although my family was fairly wealthy and they were successful entrepreneurs, my father came into his upbringing with the mindset of scarcity and the mindset of like, you know, you got to work hard if you want money. So it was a big deal for him to give me 20 bucks. And I remember it being such a big deal for me to ask for it. And as I got married, I was always very independent, always generated my own money and income, never really had to depend on anybody, which came from my father making it uncomfortable. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I get married and I have this major breakdown because from the time that I was pregnant with my first child, I wasn't working. And I was just like this, this feeling and this fear would just take over me of me feeling like, oh my God, I got to ask my husband for 20 bucks when I want 20 bucks, (laughs) you know? And this is just an example of, how you bring things, your perspective and your lens about money and anything really in life, but specifically about money into your business and how that can affect it. And, you know, my husband never gave me any reason to feel uncomfortable or anything like it was me. I was bringing that into the relationship. And so I had to work a lot on my money perspective and my money issues and my money relationship. And what happened was I realized that I was doing the same thing in my business. So. The other thing that I also teach is, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about money, especially women. And I work with empowering them to talk about money. I make them talk about it. We get (laughs) really comfortable and just letting them know they are worthy of it. They deserve it just like anybody else. It does not matter whether they're a male, female, tall, short, black, white, whatever, right? So I help them come up with money routines. I basically help them create that money Monday that I do for myself because that's what helped me show up to my relationship. Just like any other relationship, you're going to make time for it. You're going to put energy and effort when you're dating somebody, right? And having that mindset that, you know what? I have to have a relationship with my money so that I can show up. I can manage it properly. I'm going to live in more of an abundant mindset. I'm going to attract bigger accounts. I'm going to not have fear moving into investments and those different types of things. And 
that is what I think really makes a difference when I'm working with women specifically on their money mindset and how to manage it, how to make investments properly, how to leverage money from the bank or wherever differently than they may have when they were coming into their business with the lens of maybe things that aren't so positive. So uh, just a couple more questions about that, Cassidy. Yeah. One is, I won't pretend to know. I've read some of this, so this is purely anecdotal and some information. Yeah, I've heard it said that often men and women see money differently as a core driver, that for women, it's often about security. It's a safety piece. For men, it's often uh, an ego piece. It's an identity piece. And in fact, we had a guest uh, who was from Sweden on last week, and she was saying that she works globally. And one thing she noticed that the, she sees a lot more focus on money and position as being important to people's identity in the U.S. than other places. So I'm curious about your perspective on that. And also, I would just add, as I do a lot of work with men in and outside of business, Men don't talk about money unless they're <laughs> bragging about it, which means they're probably lying. <laughs> they do not talk about it. In fact, it's I'm in a group where we talk about everything you can imagine and they don't, we don't talk about money. And I'm doing a workshop about that saying, Hey guys, we don't talk about this. That means we better talk about it because it right. must be significant. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, the more I talk about my relationship with the money and I don't show up saying, Hey, I make all this money and you should listen to me or anything like that. Because again, that's coming from a place of ego. And I really want people to know, like, and trust me. And that's, what's going to help them want to do business with me or, you know, even just want to learn something from me that could better their life. And I can help with that impact, which to me is everything now. And I definitely can see that just even in my relationship, my husband, is much more of the spender and he wants to live a lavish lifestyle. And he's like, I only live once. I don't want to go to the grave with all this money, you know? And I am definitely more of, you know, I can be a spender too, but for me, it's more <laughs> about, yeah, it is. It's more about security, not living yeah. in debt, having that freedom, knowing that we're going to be okay in retirement, knowing that we have options and choices and that freedom. Mm -hmm. And I will say though, if my husband was the saver and more, of the type of person who wanted security, I would go off on the spending spree every single day. But I think we try to balance each other. So because I know yeah. he's not like that, then I pick that role up. So I think it really will depend on your relationship and, and who you live with and who's managing money with you if you're single, married, you know, different types of relationships. But absolutely, I think men strive for more power and feeding their ego where women, listen, I got an ego too. And I definitely want to feed it many times, but we look for more security and freedom. And I, I, I agree with that, at least from my perspective and what I've also seen, however, it can change. There's many men that are, have more of that feminine energy and women that have more masculine. And there's a lot of men I know who are penny pinchers sometimes, and they just won't do certain yep. things or you know, it's all about, they get a high from saving, they get a high from paying off the debt and that's what matters to them. So I think knowing and being aware of what type of money perspective you have, what type of money relationship you have and that mindset, just making sure it's healthy and making sure it's helping you get to where you want to go. That's what matters. You know, what do you want? Don't worry about, I have a saying I say all the time and I know I've heard it somewhere else, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but 
I'm like, stop trying to keep up with the entrepreneurs, right? So it's like, <laughs> stop trying to keep up with all your friends around you and what they're doing. Like, put your blinders on, put your head down, see what it is that you want for your life and go after that. And that's all that should matter. How much better are you today than you were yesterday? How much closer are you today to your goal than you were yesterday? That, that's all that matters. Well, I think that's a great bow on this package because you've said that almost from your opening words, Cassidy, the idea of being clear on what is important to you and who you are and uh, bring the best of you to all the things you do, I think is one of my big takeaways and so many other great pieces of wisdom. So thank you for that, Cassidy. We always like to wrap up with uh, giving our guests an opportunity to promote anything in particular that's going on for you or your business. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to continue the conversation for anybody else who has found this valuable or resonated with anything that I said today in our conversation. You can find me on all uh, platforms for podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, all the great things at Unburden Your Business Podcast. And also I do have an amazing 15 minute biz quiz that helps you find out what is the next thing you should be fixing in your business. And you can find that at unburdenyourbusiness.com. Okay. And uh, you mentioned social media. What is the best way for people to connect with you, Cassidy? Sure. I'm mostly on Instagram if you just want to get social. And that handle is Unburden Your Business as well. So if you just search that, you will find me. Awesome. We always wrap up with a question or two. And my question for you today, Cassidy, is about dinner. I would like <laughs> to know who, who is someone living that you want to have dinner with? And what's the one question you're going to ask them? Oh, man. That's a tough one. And they're living, right? Yep, living. Hmm. I know this is going to sound a little bizarre, but one of my favorite things to do, and we haven't done this in a while, and that's the only reason why it came up in my head, because we usually do this when we go on vacation, when it's just me and my husband. Um, when we go away from the kids and we haven't been able to do that because of, you know, COVID. Um, <laughs> so I would say I would love to just be on the beach on vacation with my husband. And I always ask him this question of where do you see us 12 months from now? Mm -hmm. And I think it's been a long time since we've been able to do that. Yeah. And it's something that I would love to do. And I, there's so many other people, right. But again, it's about, my life and what we want and what we're trying to build. And I think that just aligns with our conversation today that I would love to be able to do that again. And hopefully that'll happen soon because it really makes a difference in how we plan our lives. That's so good. I was just talking with my wife about that this weekend. I said, you know, we need to schedule a time, get it and get away, do, do exactly that. Yeah. Just talk about our dreams. Where do we want to go? What yep. do we want to do? I always learn you. something new about my husband too. <laughs> <laughs> After 10 years, you'd be surprised. Well, I don't find it. I learned after 33. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. So thank you, Cassidy. And thanks for all the wisdom you bring. And thanks for more importantly, all the work you do in the world, supporting business owners and especially women business owners. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you guys. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.